Open your Bibles, if you brought them, to the book of Isaiah. Uh, we're going to be pretty much in this text all morning, and uh, we're going to look at it from verse 1 to verse 13, and we're going to ask the Lord to reveal what he wants to reveal to us before we dive in. So let's pray. Father, I just ask right now by the power of your spirit that you would begin moving and stirring in the hearts and the lives of your people this morning. And as we've come here from all different backgrounds, we come here with all different stages of life and different experiences we've walked through. And yet I pray for the unifying power of the gospel to be extended forward today. God, I just I confess my own inadequacies. I, I confess that my rhetoric is broken. But with the same breath, I just confess that you are Lord over all, and I believe, Father, that you are sovereignly orchestrating all the details of today in our lives. And so may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, and may everything thought and everything uh, spoken and everything felt be blessed by you. And I pray all these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So I don't know where everybody is at personally this morning in this room, and I don't know if this is your first time in church, um, or if you've been in church your entire life, but I honestly don't believe that today you're here by accident. I don't believe that you've walked through those doors, that you're sitting in these seats by accident. I believe the Lord, who is the sovereign king of the universe, actually has a purpose for each and every one of us for being here today. Think about that. I'm actually excited to see what, what he wants to do this morning. And uh, so here in a, just in a second, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 55, and I'm going to read it over us, if I can put it that way. And then I want us to, just to uh, keep our hearts open to be moved by the power of the Spirit. Next week, we're going to jump back into Matthew. But I felt it was important that we do this, this one-off here today. So Isaiah 55 says this. It says, Come. Invitation, come. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Hebrew, there's the, there's the word, it's like, ho. It's getting, not ho, ho. All right, you with me? All right, vernacular. So it's getting our attention. It's an invitation. It's, it's, it's ho, hey, come. All right? Uh, come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Like, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you'll delight in the richest affair. Give ear, come to me, listen, that you may live, and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler, a commander of the peoples, and surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways are your ways. I like that, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sense it. You will go out with joy. I like that. Joy. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. We need that. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And of course, if you grew up in church, there's that song, you'll go out with joy. Yeah, saying, the mountains and the fields will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy. Anyway, um, I digress. So the, 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 all the trees of the field will clap their hands, and instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So this morning, before we, before we actually dive into this text, you're kind of going like, well, what does this have to do with absolutely anything? Work with me. I want us to pause and recognize the fact that all of us are at different stages in life. And, and I, I, I just say that. Let's just simply pause. And, and where are we? Because I believe that God has examined our hearts today as we've walked in here. You know, are we walking in our own ways this morning? Are we, are we pursuing our own things? Are, are we driven by our own plans? Are we trusting God in his goodness? Are we trusting God in his ways? Are we doing things according to our ways? Are we placing our hope? Are we placing our security under his banner of grace and mercy today? Because the invitation that is going to be extended to every single person, each and every one of us here today, there's an invitation, actually, when we read the scriptures to this great banquet, the greatest of greatest of feasts, this great celebration that any of us could ever hope or imagine. Come, the invitation. But before we actually start going into Isaiah 55, it's important for us to gain the context of what we're going to look at. So to, to get a little bit of perspective as to what's been going on, you need to, if you have your Bibles, just flip back a couple of chapters to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is probably a more popular text because it depicts uh, and it describes the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Some people call it, it's the suffering servant. Uh, you may have that written at the top of your Bible as a subtitle. And uh, it, it depicts what took place on the cross with Jesus. So take a look, Isaiah 53 verse 4. And I've got the message translation here, which I actually really like, but I have the NIV in front of me. So you can read the message. I'm going to read my NIV. Surely he has borne our infirmities. He's carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So when we take a look at this text, one of the things is that you just can't look at it and not go, well, that's, that's nice, that's cool. No, it's unbelievable. And this text is actually amazing for several reasons. Because when you think about what we have before us, right in our own hands, Isaiah is writing these words, prophesying about the work of Christ on the cross, 700 years before Jesus. It's fascinating. When you think about it, it's unbelievable. 
the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ is not just found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not in just Paul's letter. So if you listen to the Easter podcast, it's not about the different historical reference that we've all pulled together. It's not just found in the New Testament. All of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is screaming out the name of Jesus. And right here in the Old Testament, in this book of prophecy, Isaiah is prophesying the brutal death of Jesus Christ, and that's amazing. Are you with me? Okay, good. All right. So here we have that God, and who's infinite, who's holy, who's beautiful, who's wonderful, he's pure, he would send his son Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life, and then die a lawbreaker's death in our place. Again, the text says that he would carry our, our griefs, our sorrows, our sins, our struggles upon his back. And that, that mark of death that had your name on it, my name on it, um, it was placed on Jesus as he goes to the cross. And with his stripes, though, we are now healed. It's something that's amazing. And because of Jesus' work here in, uh, in, in 53, everything is now forgiven. We're now forgiven. So chapter 53 talks about the work on the cross, the atoning work, the saving, the, the forgiveness. What Jesus went through, what he took upon himself for you and for me, and we're now forgiven. You move up one chapter, 54. It opens with this, the barren women can now rejoice. It moves to the widowed woman can now uh, call out her, to her maker as her husband. And the one who's divorced can run into the arms of Christ to be gathered in, to be renewed, to be restored. And all because of the cross, all because of what took place in chapter 53. Now all can be forgiven. All can now be made right in the eyes of God. And then the pinnacle verse of Isaiah 54 is found in verse 10. It says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So you go from this place of, you know, we're all a mess, to Jesus dying for our sins, to us being forgiven, to God saying, now I have compassion for you. And right here is the truest expression of the character of God, where he is full of mercy. He, he is full of love. Another word is like steadfast. He is never to be moved or shaken for you and for me. And because of the work of the cross, he has now established this covenant of peace. The, the chastisement, you know, has been... Uh, that, that brought us peace was put onto Jesus. And so now this covenant he has made is eternal, it's everlasting. And so as we see what's going on, there's this table now set before us and we move from Isaiah 53 to 54. We now come to Isaiah 55 with a little bit of understanding why there's this invitation being given. Why is there this, hey, come, yo, come, come. So look at Isaiah 55, one. Again, yo, ho, whatever you want to, yo, ho, yeah, but, but don't go there. Come, you are thirsty. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy, eat. Come buy wine, milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. You ever see that little Facebook one with that little guy? You Facebook junkies, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, listen, Linda, 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 listen. That, that's what's going on here. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richness of, of fare. 
Give ear to me. Come, come. Do you see and hear the urgency? Come that you may live. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. So right out of the gate, this is what we see. We see that God is saying, through the prophet Isaiah, he's saying, come. You take a look at it. There's actually four invitations that are going on here. Four times he uses that word. Uh, that, uh, those pleas to join in this invitation, into this banquet, this feast. If it had only been one time, you know, okay, that's important. But the fact that it's repeated over and over again, this, this call to come is telling us that there's something pretty urgent that, that's being said to us. And, and what's at stake here is actually something very spectacular, something amazing, something that we shouldn't want to miss out on when, with our connection with God. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Come. Here we have it, four times. So who is this invitation being extended to? Well, and the other question is actually, you know, uh, uh, what's being offered? I think, who's, who's he talking to and what's being offered? Well, first of all, come all who are thirsty. So in this room, I believe there, there are actually two types of people in regards to this context here. I believe that there are those in this room who are very thirsty. Now, I'm not talking to physical thirst. You're, you're thirsty, you know you're thirsty. You're very much aware, you're spiritually aware. So maybe in here, you're, t- you're today and you're at your rope's end. And maybe you're here today and you, you, you have nowhere else to turn. You're broken, you're... You're in a dry well, if I can use that. The heat's bearing down on you. Maybe you're in despair. Maybe there's some sense of hopelessness and you're struggling right now just with what's going on inside. Maybe you feel you're just crawling closer and closer through that shadow of the valley of death. So if that's you in this room this morning, I, I want to remind you that our God hears the cries of the brokenhearted. He's not a distant God. He's not an apathetic God. He's not a lackadaisical God. I was trying to figure out how I could use that in the message today. It's beautiful. But he's near. And he has bent his ear. He has inclined his ear to the cries of your heart. He hears your pleas for mercy. So cry out to him this morning. If you're thirsty in this room today and you know you're thirsty, you know you you have nowhere else to turn, nothing else to hold on to, just cry out to God. And so the first person in this room is thirsty, they know it. I believe the other person in this room is thirsty, but they don't know it. You know, you have other places to turn to. Maybe you're running, you know, to other things to try to satisfy the thirst that's going on in your soul. You're chasing after that new toy or that new job or that new family or that new car, that new boat, that new home. That, or maybe you're thirsty for that new guy or new girl. You know, I mean, you know where I'm flying with that, right? You're chasing after all these things in the end that will not actually satisfy you. And these things that capture your attention are robbing you of joy. Endless, infinite joy. And every time you turn around, turn to one thing or another thing or another thing that's not Jesus, you come back, what? Empty. You come back broken. You come back thirsty. But because you have a lot of resources, maybe you might realize that you're not actually thirsty. But I want to tell you, you know, you're probably running to a candy shop thinking it's a five-star restaurant. You get my drift? 
See, all of us, we all chase things in our hearts apart from the creator himself. Scripture would go so far as to say, well, if they're more important than God, then actually they're idols. So either you're thirsty and you know it today, or you're thirsty and you may not know it, but we're all thirsty, myself included. And so this invitation has gone out before us, and it's not just to the VIPs of society of, or of today. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for the movie stars, the rock stars. It's not just for the lords and the ladies, the royalty, the kings of the day for a feast and a banquet. That's not what's happening here. It's for you and for me. It's for the homeless person under the Osborne Street Bridge who has no security, no, no money. It's for the neighbors in the community in which you find yourself. It's for everyone, and the invitation is come. Come to the waters. Come by. Come by without money, without, without price, for it's the person in this room. It's for the person in this room who's carrying the shame of eating disorders. The scripture is actually come and buy rich food, spiritual food. It's for the person who's, who's running to images on the internet to fill their heart's desires. You know, what are you working for? It doesn't that satisfy at all. It's for the married man or the married woman in this room who's looking for their hope and their identity, you know, and they're going to hopefully find it in their spouse. No, guys, God is our joy. God is our hope. This is for the single man, the single woman in this room who's trying to find Mr. Right or Ms. Right, and for those trying to find a right, land that right job or building up that retirement fund. Satisfaction is not found in any of those things. Satisfaction is found in this banquet table that God is talking about, the table of the king, because only God can satisfy. Only God can give us our peace. I've said this over and over again. All of us, we walk into this room and we're all at different levels. We presume we're at different stages of a path. We're on a walk. And for some of you, you're rich and steep in your spiritual walk. For others, this is all new. Maybe even coming into church today uh, and gathering with all of us today, this is your first step. And congratulations, you made it. You made it this far. That's awesome. And all of a sudden, you're coming in, you're going, well, I don't know what to expect, I don't know what's going on, and, you know, we're doing a one-off, you know, why is this guy talking like this? He's, you know, my voice is to be the voice of God. I'm not saying I am God, but that I sit there, I pray, I prepare, and I pray that God uses my words and what he's placed on my heart to speak to you, to help guide you, to open your eyes, and that the Holy Spirit is the one who seeks, who convicts us and speaks to us. So are you open to hearing from God this morning? And what we have is this invitation that's put before us. It says, come, come to this table, so to speak. Come. It's been set. All the costs have been taken care of. Jesus, our lamb, has been slaughtered. We see that in Isaiah 53. He is the blessing of the banquet. He is the focus of the feast. He is the centerpiece of praise. And he stands ready. And Jesus is the one who's saying to us, come to the waters. Come, delight in rich food. God is saying, I'm the one who gives you life. I'm the one who gives you satisfaction, not anything else that we put in our culture. So what's being offered? Come who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy, eat, come, buy wine, milk. So right there, there are three different beverages. They're explained, right? Three different beverages put before us. You have water, you have milk, and you have wine. Interesting. 
when you actually think about it, they don't normally go together. As a matter of fact, milk and wine should never go together. Just throwing it out there. That's actually kind of nasty, but... They're in the text this morning for a purpose. And I believe that there are all three pictures unique in their own understanding, but these are all pictures of the gospel of Jesus. You with me? Some of you Pentecostals are going, is that alcoholic? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even know by the label, so how's that? Anyway. Let's look at water. Aquafina. What does water do in the physical sense? Well, ah, it quenches your thirst. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Some of you are thirsty. Right? Look at that. It quenches your thirst. You're working outside, right? You know, yeah. You run a race, you do manual labor, you do whatever it is, you're running around. You run to water for satisfaction. You run to water for your drink. You don't want to chug, you know, a glass of milk when you're thirsty. Now, I've seen some people do that, and the expression following is not necessarily all that good. As a matter of fact, I played hockey with one guy. We used to always go, this can gross you out, but this is true. So... We would play hockey on Friday night, and then we would go to 7-Eleven get a hoagie and chocolate milk. You, you with me? You see where I'm going with this, right? And uh, one guy, he was trying to keep up with everybody else, and we'd buy the hoagie, and uh, he'd buy his chocolate milk. And it was interesting. He got, like, this big carton of chocolate milk, and he thought he could keep up with everybody, and he started chugging, and he's in the back seat of a Ford Mustang two-door. Let's just keep it to water. We run to the water. How many of you have been outside, you're working in your garden, what do you do? You turn on the water faucet, right? You drink from the hose. Oh, that's gross. No, we drink from the hose. That's what we do. Um, but you notice that the water quenches our thirst in this text. The interesting thing about this text, it's not singular. Water is actually plural. Come to the waters, it says. It's plural for a purpose, and it shows us the abundance of what's available. The abundance of waters, not just in quality, but in quantity as well. So there's this invitation, come, there's so much water. Come, be refreshed. Come, be washed over. Come, quench your thirst. And so, uh, you know, if you go back to John chapter 4, Jesus is at the well with the woman in Samaria. He asks, he, uh, and he asks her for a drink, breaking all cultural barriers. There's a little dialogue that goes back and forth. And then he says to her, he says, everybody who drinks of this water, everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water, I give them, interesting parallel now between Isaiah and Jesus, right? Uh, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so what does she say? She goes, I need to have that water. And so this water that is being extended, that's being offered to us, that we see in Isaiah, to this feast is not just some sort of tap water from our faucet or from Aquafina. It's the best tasting, most purified water that we could possibly drink in. And the crazy thing is that it never runs out. It never runs dry. It's available in abundance to you, to me, the gospel message of Jesus. It, today is available in abundance to us. And water itself and scripture is well and real. It represents life. 
It's beautiful. Then there's milk. Milk is completely different from water. Milk is what you give to babies, right? Right. That's awesome. You don't give babies water. And you certainly don't give babies wine. But we used to give our kids that little stuff that used to numb them a little bit, right? Just so that we could sleep at night. What was that? All right. right. Okay, my wife used to give them that. That little grape juice stuff. That was good. Shame on you. (laughs) Anybody? Want some milk? Who does? Come, come drink the milk. Turn around, face everybody. Drink it. Enjoy it. Slowly. Don't gulp. I've seen what happens when people gulp milk. (laughs) Slowly. Slow down. Slow down. Enjoy it. Stay here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just, there we go. Lick your lips. Get, get it on your mustache. Get, give me a mustache. Give me a mustache. Go all the way back. Milk, milk mustache. Come on. Come on, please. <laughs> there we go. And, and so what, what does it taste like? Is it, milk. it tastes like milk. Right, right. <laughs> Is it refreshing? Is it healthy? You know, I can see it working in your bones right now as we speak. It's making you stronger. Yes, it is. Um, it has all the nutrients. It has all the ingredients. Thank you, sir. You did so well. It has all the ingredients that you need to strengthen your bones, your muscles, their nerves. We give it to kids. We continue as we go on. In the same sense, spiritual milk, you with me? You tracking now? Is to strengthen our weak souls. So are you hurting today? Hmm. The gospel would say that Jesus is our healer. Are you troubled today? The gospel would say that Jesus is your very present help in time of trouble. Are you fearful? Are are you anxious here today? And the gospel would say that Jesus not only gives you peace, but Jesus is your peace. And so milk itself, it strengthens our weak and our weary souls. And then there's this thing called wine. Wine is different than the other two beverages, obviously, for the fact that wine is not a necessity for life. I'm not sure if you knew that. Maybe some of you would tend to argue against me on that one. But wine is not a necessity for life. Wine is used throughout all of scripture. It's quite interesting. You don't need wine to strengthen your muscles. You don't need wine to satisfy your thirst because that's not the purpose of it when we look at it. I believe wine in this text shows us the enjoyment and delight of God. Psalm 104 says the wine gladdens the heart of men. In John chapter 2, Jesus at the wedding feast turns water into wine. Why? Because it's the drink of celebration. It's the drink of joy and delight. 
So if God had only given us the cross of Christ, you know, that, w- that would have been enough, right? right? That's, that's what we need. But God being rich in mercy, abounding in love, and pours out showers over us, blessings upon blessings and graces upon graces. And God in his goodness created the mountains, he created the stars, he created the flowers, the fields, and all this. And I believe he created those things again, not out of necessity, but he created those things for us to look at and to see how much he loves us and all the more that we can enjoy him. And so when we stand before a mountain peak, and you have heard this before, we don't just stand and see a mountain. We go outside in nature, man. We see the glory of God at work. God manifests himself in creation so we can enjoy him and, and enjoy much more of it as, as well. And so, so spiritual wine is not a necessity, but in this context, it's actually for our enjoyment. And it's interesting that the gospel is pictured in three different liquids. Three different liquids, uniquely different in their chemical makeup. Life, strength, and joy. Pictured in scripture with things that we can identify with in everyday life. And it's not enough for you and I just to hear this invitation this morning, right? It does us no good if, if we just sit there and if we just leave this place after the invitation is gone. Because verse 2 says what? Listen to me. Linda, Linda, listen to me. Give ear. There's a difference between hearing and listening, right? If any of you in this room have small kids and you tell your child something, you know, hey, it's time to go to bed, they're going to hear you, Right? Chances are they're not going to listen to you. It's like telling your adult children, the two of them that live at home with you, to clean their empty or the rooms, right? Or empty the dishwasher or cut the grass or take out the garbage, clean the dog poop. Oh, oh, they hear you. But are they listening? And my wife said, amen. And if they do, even though our love abounds from them, and if they do, it's rare. Trust me, if you know how, I want to know your secret. But you know what I found? Maybe you found this with your children. If you say, hey, sweetie, you know, you know I want to buy you a toy. In this case, it's with my kids. So I say, hey, guys, I want to give you some food. You know, they're going to hear you. They're going to listen. They're going to ask when they can get that food. They're going to be down there. They're going to, you know, not only when can they get more, not just when, how much, and can I get more? They're with me. That's all they're going to think about. That's all that's going to be on their mind. That's all of what's going to sink down into their hearts. And if they go to bed with that thought, they're probably going to wake up with that thought in the morning. Where's the food? So the interesting aspect, this, this plea that we see here in Scripture, is not just to hear this invitation, but it's to listen to these words. To listen to the call extended by our gracious God. Come to the waters. Come buy, eat. Come buy wine. Come buy milk. Without money, come without cost. Come find your satisfaction today in God because it's free. And so how do we respond with this invite? Some of you are so hung up, whether this is alcohol full or alcohol free. You missed the point. And why should I tell you? 
What's the invitation? What are the things that are getting in our way, in our vision? How do we respond? How do we RSVP to what's being put before us in Scripture? The only reason that you and I can even think about these next verses is because of what took place back in Isaiah 53. Because Christ went to the cross, he died the substitutionary death that we should have died because Christ satisfied the wrath of God. We can now, you and I can now find satisfaction in God and it's the only way. Because we don't bring anything to the table, so to speak. The table's already set. We're not righteous in and of ourselves. As a matter of fact, if we look in 2 Corinthians, it says, Paul writes, he says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we're not good on our own. Oh, you know, I'm a good person. No, we're not. When we take a look at Scripture, we see that we're not. We're not righteous on our own accord. We can't try hard enough because Jesus has already done all that. He's already gone to the cross, and now there's a wave paved. So how do we respond in light of this? Again, we go on, we read Isaiah 55, 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways or your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so this invitation that's extended to us is extended. It's free of charge. Come by without money, without price. <laughs> my son just texted me, why do you hate us? <laughs> I love you, James. <laughs> You just try me, son. You just try me. Oh, you threw me off. <laughs> so here's this ex invitation extended free of charge. Come by without money. And, then, and there's, yet there's an, still an element that has to take place in our own lives. And so Jesus is saying, come. <clears throat> but yet there has to be an element of surrender on our part. And we just read it. We have to forsake our ways. We have to return to the Lord. That means we have to give up. We have to, <clears throat> we have to give in. We're going to stand before God. And we have to say, God, I'm tired of going my way. I'm tired of, 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 of walking my own walk. God, I, I, just, I just need to surrender to you. And that's the reason we're thirsty as we saw back in verse 1, is because you and I, in our own nature, in our own ways, we are sinful creatures. We want to do our own things, and we have to turn. Jesus said repent, right? We have to turn. We have to do the U-turn. We have to surrender, and I'm convinced we don't actually take this seriously enough in our life. I'm actually convinced in our culture, in Western culture, we don't take sin seriously enough in our life. I'm convinced we're okay with just sin management. We just treat the symptoms of our sin. And when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and to our hearts, we don't deal with that very well. And sure, we may tell our home group, you know, our accountability partners, yeah, I'm struggling with this, you know, I'm struggling with that. But in our, in, all the while, in our hearts, we're walking down a deep, deep, dark road, right? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Springtime and allergies are synonymous, right? How many of you guys struggle with allergies? I got a son who does. It's interesting. You know, you walk outside, your eyes away water, your nose gets plugged, you start sneezing crazy, you feel lousy. 
So what do you do? Well, hopefully you go to the doctor, right? And the doctor looks at you, and, and what they do is they then begin to test you, right? I don't know if you've been through the whole testing thing, and, and they basically they put all kinds of stuff on your arm or your back, and so dog, cats, uh, trees, grass, all these things are pinpricked into your arm or your back, and if the area swells up, they conclude, well, that you have an allergy to that thing. So, you know, after extensive testing, uh, the doctor will tell you, well, you're allergic to the outside. We'll just put it that way. And it makes it difficult to go anywhere. You know, don't laugh. That, that happens to some people. They're allergic to the outside. So the doctor comes in and says, okay, we, have, we can do something or we have some options. We can give you antihistamine. Uh, and it's some medicine that, you know, that, that when your eyes start to water, you know, it'll dry your eyes up, or if your nose gets plugged, you'll be able to breathe. That's what it does, or and it'll take the sneezing away. But what it does is it just treats the symptoms. It doesn't do anything to the allergy itself. And maybe you're like, well, doc, you know, that actually sounds kind of horrible. I don't want that. And the doc says, okay, well, the next option is the allergy shots. And maybe some of you have gone through this, you know. So once a week, they're going to inject you with a little bit of a treat, if I can put it that way. And, uh, you know, over the course of time, your body builds up resistance to that, or you grow leaves. I'm not quite sure. But now it takes a lot longer, but it's more painful, right? Because some of us, we hate needles. But after a while, your allergy is fixed and gone. So in the heat of the moment, you got to make a decision, and you go, yeah, 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 that's what I want, that's what I want, that's what I need. And that's what we all need in our own lives. And not just in an allergy sense, but for our own souls, for our own hearts. We don't just want to walk around just trying to fix the symptoms of what's going on. That doesn't do me any good, because I, I could remove a symptom, but the problem is still there. You right? You're tracking with me on this. So right in front of us stands the forgiveness of the cross of Christ. But in our tiny restricted mindsets, in our, in our limited view of the path in front of us, we can't understand how a sovereign God could love us so much that he would abundantly pardon us. We can't understand that. His ways are so much higher. They're so much greater. They're so much more glorious. They're so much more perfect than what ours could ever be. And so if we want to join this feast, if we want to come to part of this invitation, then we have to understand and listen to what God is saying here. And he says what? Seek the Lord. Call on his name. Interesting concepts going on here. How do we do that? We do that collectively and privately in times of prayer and song. You notice we didn't do our prayer thing today? Do you know where we're going now? So there's this call to come. So if we want to join this feast, you know, it, it, it's interesting. We need to listen to what God is saying, to seek the Lord, to call on his name. And how do we do that? With prayer, with, with song, with confession, by making the conscious decision and forsaking our own ways, uh, you know, the ways that maybe seem right to us, and to turn to, as scripture would say, repent and return to him because his ways are better. His ways are greater. God's ways always lead to life. Are you thirsty? Isaiah 55, 12 says, you'll go out with joy. I love this. Be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. And instead of the thorn bush, the juniper, the instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting a sign that will endure forever. How about that? Therefore, those who have come to the waters, those who have called upon the name of the Lord, this promise 
is for those who have forsaken their ways and returned to the Lord's ways. Look what's being offered. Look what's coming. Joy and peace. It says, when you respond to the invitation, you will go out with joy. How many of us want that? We come in here, we're carrying the heaviest loads on our backs. And what is it saying? Come to me, come. If you're thirsty, come. And when you go, you will go out with joy. And peace. Are you looking for a little joy today? Is life that hard? Come. Do you need some peace today? Is life that hard? Come. You're invited to participate. This is the beauty of even when we gather together on a Sunday. You're invited to participate today. You come from a place of thirst to drink. You come from a place of hunger for food. You come from a place of dissatisfaction to satisfaction. I don't even know how to speak English. That's the word. We come from a place of sadness, of heaviness to what? To joy. We come from a place of death to life. Dissatisfaction. That's the word. Brain fart. So are you here today and you're walking in your own ways? Are you pursuing your own things? Are, are you running and your, your spiritual well is just dry and nothing is satisfying? Or are you running and you're overflowing abundantly joyful wells of God, delighting in his ways, chasing after his glory? Because that's all before us, myself included. And so maybe this morning, Josh, if you and your team can come, maybe this morning we need to get serious about some confessing and repenting. Maybe we need to get serious about forsaking our ways and just simply take some time this morning and return to God. The promise of this text is beautiful. It says that his word will go out and it will not return empty. It will not return void. So here's, here's the promise reinforced is that we can be assured that if we call out on the name of the Lord that maybe you're here and I just need Jesus. He, he hears you. It's not going to return empty. Maybe you just need to call on Jesus this morning. Maybe you just need to do some confession business with God this morning. Just you and him. Maybe you just need the community to surround you and to lift your arms for you because you just can't. Here's my prayer for this morning. Here's the invitation. The invitation is presented before us. Come, come and drink so that you're not thirsty. Basically, the metaphor is uh, salvation. I need Jesus. I need my spiritual side to be quenched. So I don't know. Maybe you need Jesus today. Maybe you need the water that God is offering. Maybe you need the milk that you drink. Maybe you are hurting and you're broken and you're bruised and you're battered. And the invitation is come and drink. Come and be nourished. Come and be strengthened. Come and be healed.
maybe you just need to celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus. Isn't it a beautiful picture, Isaiah 55? It hits all of our aspects of life. Father, we can't imagine, begin to imagine all that you are, all that you have done for us. Each day when we wake up, it's a new chance, a chance to put behind all that we were, to look ahead to all that we can be. And so, Father, I ask that as you speak to us, as you've been doing all morning, that you would show us a revelation of your love and your power. Holy Spirit, I ask that you administer to our spirits at this very moment where there is pain. Give us your peace and mercy. Where there is self-doubting, release a renewed confidence in your ability just to work through us. God, where there is tiredness or exhaustion, I ask that you would give us an understanding, a patience, a strength, and rest as we learn submission to your leading and nearness. Father, my prayer for all of us here is that you would draw us into a greater intimacy with you. And where there is fear, Lord, reveal your love. Release us, release us with your courage. And God, where there's sin, as we struggle blocking us, reveal it. God, I just pray that you'd break its hold over our lives. And God, forgive us for complaining and grumbling about the things we don't have. Help us to focus our hearts on what is good about our lives. We know all things come from you. Every perfect gift comes down from you. And so, God, as we look into our worlds that sometimes are fairly messy, can you take what is good and what is bad and make them work together for your glory? And God, help us to believe that when it's hard, help us to trust when it's difficult. Help us to see when you're guiding every step of the way and yet we feel that we're walking in the dark. Just guide us, I pray, Lord. And I ask you to, to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just before you go, the last six rows, I think we have to take stack and all the chairs on the side. Nothing in the front, we can leave that. If you're able to stay and help us move some other stuff around, I'd really appreciate it. You can meet Elson at the uh, info desk, welcome desk, and she'll gladly tell you what to do. In ancient times, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. I like this one. May you thirst this week for the life-giving Spirit of God. So sanctuary, may you find what the woman at the wall found that day. May your inner being be quenched of thirst from the well that never runs dry. And may you invite others to come for a drink. Be blessed and go out with joy. See you next week.